day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Every four years, we elect prosecutors in this state, the people who decide who will be charged, who will stand trial for the crimes that happen in our community. And normally during those campaigns, what you hear is a lot of rhetoric about law and order about how tough those people would be if they were elected prosecutor on the crimes that happen in our communities, how much they would pursue the criminals who commit those crimes. But in 2020, we saw a number of really progressive candidates enter races for county prosecutor seats here in southeast Michigan, and they were looking to change the way we think about and operate our criminal justice system. Now, some of those progressives won those races. Others weren't quite as successful. But today, we're going to talk with two of the candidates who won, who are now both several months into their new positions. A little later in the show, we're going to hear from Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald. But first, in May 2019, Eli Savitt, launched a very progressive campaign for Washtenaw County Prosecutor. In 2027, won the general election, acquiring more votes uh, than any candidate on the ballot in the county. And in his first few weeks in office, he made a, a number of radical policy changes and attracted national attention for his progressive approach. Since his appointment, Savitt's administration has cracked down on racial profiling in the criminal justice system. It has eliminated the cash bail system and ended the prosecution of consensual sex work, as well as the use or possession of psychedelic mushrooms. Now, Washtenaw County prosecuting attorney Eli Savitt is here to discuss the creation and impact of his progressive policy changes. Eli Savitt, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really glad to be here. So as I said in the open, normally when we see people campaign to be prosecutor, there's a pretty narrow band of issues that they want to talk about. They are normally about prosecuting more people. They are often about putting more people in jail. Your campaign was very different. So let's talk about where you came up with this approach, this idea for how you would act as a county prosecutor uh, and how it's different uh, than what we've seen for years and years and years uh, from people in that role. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think it's important uh, to sort of start with uh, the the beginning of my career. And I'll, and I'll emphasize that I am not a, uh, a prosecutor by training. Um, uh, my legal career has been focused on civil rights and public interest work. And uh, before I was a lawyer, actually, I was an eighth grade uh, public school teacher where I saw a number of kids and a number of families who were dealing with the cascading consequences of justice involvement in a way that really reinforced, uh, you know, not just poverty, but intergenerational poverty and trauma. And, And that's sort of the perspective that I took when I was running for prosecutor. Uh, you you mentioned historically uh, how prosecutors' races have been run, and you're right. It is often about locking up 
more people. Uh, it is often uh, about uh, you know making sure that we are getting more people behind bars. And that is what has led to uh, what I consider uh, to really be uh, the, the sort of shameful era in which the United States of America locks up more people per capita than any other nation on the planet. And candidly, it's not even close. Uh, we're far outpacing every other country in the number of people that we put behind bars. Now, if incarceration led to public safety, uh, we should be the safest country on the planet, but we're not. And I think that speaks not just to a different approach from a fairness and equity perspective. Uh, you know, why are we imprisoning people for mental health issues, for substance use uh, issues and the like? But it's also really important from a public safety perspective. Uh, we have not uh, done enough in this country to really address the root cause of crime. We send people away for a period of time and then we see them recidivate because we haven't addressed what's going on underneath the surface. So it's not just about uh, equity and fairness and you know civil rights, uh, though of course those are things that are very important to me personally. It is also fundamentally about rethinking public safety uh, and trying to build a more sustainable system uh, that protects public safety in the long run. So let's talk about that approach now that you've been elected. As I said, there are a number of things that you've already done, but, but give us the framework that uh, you're working with at, that, that's guiding these policy changes. What is your idea of how a prosecutor's office ought to go about doing its job? So I'd say, I'd say a couple of things. Number one, uh, we are striving to create a system that is fair. Uh, you, if the criminal justice system is going to impose punishment, and I hope that folks can agree on this wherever they fall on the spectrum, punishment should be because of what you did, not because of who you are. So we are laser focused at rooting out racial inequity in the system, socioeconomic inequity in the system. You know, our cash bail system basically creates a, a two-track justice system, mm -hmm. one uh, for wealthy people that can afford to buy their way out of jail uh, before trial, and one for poor people, even those who may have been uh, accused of lower-level crimes, who sit in jail for days or weeks and months simply because they don't have enough money to pay to get out. Uh, so that's one guiding principle. The other is, look, I'm a prosecutor. Uh, our number one priority is public safety. Um, but we should be seeking charges and seeking sentences uh, only when we think those are necessary to ensure public safety. Uh, if what we're doing doesn't meaningfully move the ball forward, if we're just locking people up um, because of marijuana uh, cases, for example, that doesn't really uh, affect public safety in any meaningful way. Uh, and it just disrupts people's lives uh, for, for no real benefit. And so the position that we try to take is uh, recognizing that the most uh, in intrusive and invasive and disruptive thing that the government can do is to convict somebody of a crime and send them to jail or prison. Uh, there are cases where that is necessary, but it should be the last resort, not the first option. We should be trying to address uh, harm in our community hopefully without putting people behind bars and really exacerbating uh, a, a lot of trauma that goes on in the community felt by families uh, and communities who have loved ones and neighbors uh, that are serving time. Hmm. I'm talking with Eli Savitt. He's the newly elected 
Washtenaw County prosecuting attorney. Uh, we are later in the show going to talk with Karen McDonald, who was elected in 2020 to be the Oakland County prosecutor. I'm talking with both of them uh, because they have a really different approach to the idea of what a prosecutor ought to be doing. They are restructuring those offices very significantly in terms of who gets prosecuted and for what crimes they might get prosecuted. They are focusing on things like racial inequity in prosecutions uh, and other imbalances that exist in our criminal justice system. Uh, We'd love to hear from you during this conversation as well. Uh, What kinds of policy changes do you think need to be made in the criminal justice system? That's something we talk about a lot in this country right now. Of course, it is something we talk about a lot on this radio program, uh, the idea of the gross injustices uh, that exist inside the system uh, and what we ought to be doing to reform them. Uh, Do you think criminal justice reform is needed in your community? How do you see the prosecuting attorney's office behaving in your community? How do you see other arms of law enforcement uh, behaving in your community. Uh, also, if you live in uh, Washtenaw County, uh, give us a call and let us know if you've noticed some of the changes being made there as it relates to law and uh, policy under Prosecutor Savitt. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page and put comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Also, as always, uh, we are open to uh, opinions across the spectrum here. Uh, if, If you think that the idea of reforming the prosecutor's office is misguided and perhaps will let too many people... Uh, who should be in prison uh, escape uh, somehow, f- escape that punishment and, and, and maybe recommit uh, crimes. If you think that uh, the criminal justice system might become too lenient if, uh, if we reform it the way that Eli Savitt and Karen McDonald have decided to do it, we would, uh, we'd love to hear you uh, call and tell us why you believe that as well. Again, 313-577-1019, call and tell us what you think about criminal justice reform here uh, in Southeast Michigan. Uh, Eli, before we uh, bring listeners into the conversation, uh, I want to talk about some of the specific policies that, uh, that you have already put into place. I talked about some of them uh, in the open, but the one that I think is, is uh, the headline, I guess, for me, is the elimination of cash bail. That's something that we have had a lot of arguments about over a long period of time, I feel like, in this country. Uh, you have just decided that it needed to go away. Talk about why you did that and what effect you think that will have on criminal justice. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we do not seek cash bail in the Washtenaw County Prosecutor's Office, and we haven't sought cash bail on a single case since I've been prosecutor. I do want to uh, note that ultimately the decision about whether to impose cash bail is up to a judge or a magistrate. Um, right. And, you know, they, they, they can and sometimes do. Uh, impose it, uh, notwithstanding our recommendations, of course, that's the role that they play in the system, and we totally respect that, but we don't seek it ever. Uh, And here's why. Let's take a step back and look at what cash bail is. Cash bail is a system in which you are arrested for a crime, and this is before a trial. It's before you've been convicted of anything, and you are told that you can go free pending trial, but only if you come up with a certain amount of money out of your bank account. Now, what that means is that a poorer person or a working class person, 
may sit in jail for days or weeks or months, even when uh, their crime, their alleged crime, doesn't impose a serious public safety risk, and there's no reason to believe that they are a threat to the community. At the same time, look at the flip side. A cash bail system, when we're making somebody's freedom dependent on wealth, that means that a wealthier person who may pose a serious danger to the community is going to be able to buy their way right out of jail and go back to potentially threatening the community. That shouldn't make sense to anybody. Um, but cash bail is, is not just ultimately counterproductive to public safety, it also has cascading effects. Think about that working class person who may be sitting in jail on a couple thousand dollars uh, cash bail. What happens to that person? Well, the data actually shows that if you uh, are working class and have a shift job and you sit in jail uh, on, on bail for even a couple of days, you are more likely than not to lose your job, right? Because you can't show up to work and uh, your, your, your boss is going to fire you. What happens when you lose your job? Well, if you lose your job, uh, you're very likely to lose your housing. And let's say you have children. Your children may have to go live with relatives. They may be homeless. They may have to switch schools in the middle of the year. Uh, the data shows us, by the way, that if a kid switches schools unexpectedly in the middle of the year, that's the equivalent of losing six months of academic growth. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just something that uh, affects the person who's sitting behind bars because they were too poor. It's something that really has cascading ripple effects into the community. Now, the question is, uh, you know, what do we put in place instead of cash bail? And it's very simple. Uh, what we try to do is we seek to hold people uh, using non-monetary conditions so we don't use wealth, but we seek to hold people who pose a threat to the community, right? If you don't pose a threat to the community, if the circumstances of your crime uh, and all the factual background don't indicate that you pose a threat, uh, we, uh, you, should be, you should be allowed to go on with your life, continue providing for your family while you're awaiting trial. Sometimes we'll impose non-monetary conditions to make sure that we're keeping the community safe. Maybe you need drug or alcohol testing, right? Because the reason that you're getting into trouble is because of drugs or alcohol. Uh, maybe you need a tether because we only want you to be able to go from home and go to work uh, and no place else. So we we can tailor these conditions without making wealth a part of the equation. We shouldn't have a justice system that is dependent on the size of one's bank account. And that is fundamentally uh, why we did what we did in Washington County. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, quickly before we have to break, I think critics of that approach would say, well, this leaves too many potential criminals on the street, people who could go and and reoffend while even while they're awaiting trial, the the whole purpose of bail is to to make it difficult for some people to get out uh, and and be doing what whatever it was they were doing. They got them arrested uh, while they're progressing through the the criminal justice system. How do you answer that? So uh, cash bail is not uh, the same thing as opening up the jailhouse doors. That's not what we're doing. Uh, and it's a common misperception. Um, but we still seek to hold people pending trial when we think they're dangerous. We just don't make money a part of that equation. Mm -hmm. uh, again, if you're dangerous, I want you in jail pending trial, whether you're poor or whether you're rich. What a cash bail system does, actually, is it says only the poor people who are dangerous sit in uh, jail, as well as many other poor people who are not dangerous, whereas rich, dangerous people 
get to go out. Uh, the proof is also in the pudding. You know, we're not the first jurisdiction to have eliminated cash bail. Washington, D.C. effectively got rid of cash bail uh, nearly 30 years ago in 1992. And there's been no uh, increase in crime and particularly in violent crime as a result of that reform. New Jersey got rid of cash bail effectively in 2017. And what you saw actually after that is the crime rate plummeted in New Jersey. Uh, and though it's always difficult to say why crime rises and why crime falls, there's a number of factors that go into it. Criminologists actually think that the reason the crime rate went down was precisely because of bail reform. Because when you weren't locking people up and disrupting their trajectories when they didn't pose a threat to the community, you made it less likely for them to commit crimes of desperation when they did get out of jail. Uh, you know, think about if you've lost your job, you may have to steal. You may feel forced uh, to do illegal things to provide for your family. So uh, the, the, the data is really actually quite clear on this. Cash bail doesn't enhance public safety. Cash bail hurts it, as well as being fundamentally an unjust system that makes justice dependent on how much money you have. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation with Eli Savitt, who is the Washtenaw County Prosecuting Attorney. Remember, a little later in the show, we are also going to be joined by Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald, who has a very similar approach to her work as Eli Savitt. We also want to continue to hear from you on the phones. What do you think about criminal justice reform as it unfolds in the prosecutor's office? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you joined us. This hour, we're talking about the changes in the prosecutor's offices in Washtenaw County and Oakland County in the 2020 elections. Uh, the people who won for those seats as prosecuting attorney are people with really different approaches to that job. Uh, you might say really progressive approaches focusing on ways that the prosecutor's office can be more humane in its pursuit of justice, uh, account more for people's lives, account more for things like racial bias uh, and economic bias that has kind of distorted justice in uh, those offices for a long time. Uh, I'm talking now with Eli Savitt, who is the new Washtenaw County prosecutor. A little later in the show, we're going to be joined by Karen McDonald, who is the new prosecutor in Oakland County. We also want to hear from you about what you think about criminal justice reform this way. Uh, do you believe that uh, prosecutors ought to be doing their jobs a little differently, thinking about different things? things as they go about diff uh, about their jobs uh, than they did before. Uh, do you live in Oakland or Washtenaw? Uh, give us a call and tell us about the things that you've noticed. Maybe the differences have already started to have a real effect there. As always, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll try to include you in the show that way. Let's start today with Aaron 
in Ann Arbor. Ann, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for having this conversation, um, Eli, and thank you for your work. I really think that this should be the direction that um, criminal justice is going in the United States, um, and uh, I guess starting with Michigan, since that's where we are. And I'm wondering what effort um, maybe you're involved in or what what is being done to make that happen? I mean, how, how can this be a more prolific way that people think about criminal justice, specifically people in your position? Hmm. Uh, great question, Aaron. Eli, as, as we've been talking about, you are the prosecutor in Washtenaw. You can affect policy there. But there are prosecutors in counties all, all across the state. And uh, I guess maybe one concern even would be that there's a, a distinct imbalance, perhaps, in the way that justice is meted out in your county versus others. So how do we make sure that uh, that some of the things that you're doing perhaps spread to other other jurisdictions? Sure. And, uh, you, you know, it's a it's a great question. And thank you, Aaron, for uh, for calling in. Um uh, so, so, so I'll start with uh, obviously, uh, you know, prosecutors are elected, which mean that we are responsible to the communities that we serve and the circumstances on the ground there. Uh, that said, uh, there is a growing movement and a network of more progressive uh, prosecutors who are really moving towards uh, smarter approaches towards justice. Um, you know, this this movement really uh, was kickstarted, I think, uh, in 2017, when Larry Krasner won the Philadelphia District Attorney's race. But in fact, it, it had been going on uh, even before then. Kim Fox is a notable example of somebody that has been working to change the system uh, over in Chicago. And we've seen uh, over the past uh, five years, really, a number of prosecutors, including uh, my colleague, uh, Karen, who I know you're having on uh, a little bit later in Oakland, uh, who won in 2020. Uh, the other one that has been doing this work since before uh, this was cool uh, was Carol Seaman in Ingham County. And she's uh, you know, a great friend and has been a great uh, mentor, frankly, for a lot of us who are coming into this space. So nationwide, uh, there's, there's around 70 folks who broadly agree with this uh, different approach to criminal justice. And the great thing about it is we share ideas. Uh, you know, the policies that we put in place in Washtenaw County uh, were based uh, largely on best practices elsewhere. Uh, we share ideas. We refine them for our own communities. Uh, you know, I, I, I copy-pasted a couple of Ingham County's policies, uh, basically, when, when I took office because I talked to Carol Seaman and, um, you know, saw the direction she was going in and the results. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we implemented some of the policy that she first put in place in Michigan up in Ingham County. And, you know, correspondingly, this, this tends to grow. Uh, we now have prosecutors from across the state and the country that are interested in what we're doing and are interested in uh, putting into place similar policies in their own jurisdictions. So uh, we're getting the right people in place. I think the snowball is rolling uh, towards prosecutors moving towards a much more equitable system. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, this this comes down to voters. Uh, you've got to have the people in place that are committed to these reforms if you want the reforms to happen. Uh, and so, you know, what I what, what I'd say to folks in in other communities is pay attention to these local prosecutors' races. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, they've been races that have gone under the radar precisely because everybody was parroting the same tough-on-crime approach. Uh, if you think our criminal justice system needs to be changed, 
um, you know, pay attention to the prosecutor's race. Try to get somebody in that comes from uh, a background with a perspective on civil rights uh, or, you know, the constitutional rights of a defendant or has worked as a reform-oriented uh, prosecutor in, in the past. Uh, and also, you know, I guess if you're one of those people, uh, run, run for the seat. Uh, these elections should be contested and they should uh, have a robust exchange of ideas and, and ultimately communities should uh, and are uh, choose uh, getting to choose the direction that their local prosecutorial system is going in. Mm-hmm. Again, Aaron, thanks very much for the call and the really provocative question. Let's go to Israel in the North End. Israel, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? We sure can. Okay. Well, good morning, uh, Stephen. Good morning, Eli. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I had a, uh, I'm very encouraged by uh, Washington County and in uh, Oakland County, and I look forward to getting such progress in Wayne County. So I had two questions. One is, how, what can we do here in Wayne County to move this forward? And the other question is a little unrelated, but kind of uh, on my mind is, I, I recall a couple of years ago in the previous administration, there was a major package of criminal justice reform that was passed. How does that affect you know, our side of the world, um, that package, that, that reform in the federal level? Hmm. Great question, Israel. And that, that is one of the Things that came out of the Trump administration that I think uh, uh, progressives, if they weren't cheering, were at least somewhat uh, embracing of and, and maybe even enthusiastic about. Uh, Eli, talk about the effect that that's having locally. Sure. So, you know, the truth of the matter is federal reforms uh, are tremendously important. Uh, you know, you, you, you see a lot of people... Uh, coming through historically through the federal system and, you know, potentially being charged, especially with drug related offenses, uh, which is which has fueled one sliver of uh, the prison population in the United States. Uh, the truth of the matter is, though, um, the, the, the federal changes deal with federal criminal laws. And so they don't really affect uh, the state criminal justice systems all that much. Um, and, you know, though, though federal reforms are tremendously important, and the first step back, uh, you know, passed uh, by the prior administration is, is, uh, and, and Congress, I should mention, uh, is indeed one of the few things that, that uh, I was supportive of um, over the last uh, four years or so uh, from the federal level. But uh, if you're really focused on criminal justice reform, the truth of the matter is it needs to come uh, at the state level and at the local level. Uh, the federal prison population uh, has a relatively small footprint in terms of the overall criminal legal system. Uh, I think just about 10%, though that may not be a precise number, of the prisoners in the United States are serving time in federal prisons, and it might actually be lower. So if we really want reform, uh, we've got to be focused on the decisions made in our local justice system by elected leaders uh, day in and day out. Because that's really what's uh, driven our prison population, what's driven our harsh approach to criminal justice, and what I view as our counterproductive uh, approach to criminal justice as well. Hmm. Okay, uh, Eli Savitt, uh, prosecuting attorney in Washington County. It was really great to have you here to talk about uh, all of the things that you're trying to do there in Washington. We will, I'm sure, be talking to you more over the years as you implement more, but I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk with another new progressive prosecutor who is making pretty sweeping changes to the way criminal justice operates in southeast Michigan. Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald will join us next. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Sean in Roseville, Ehab in Dearborn, we will get to you next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen, and as always, thanks for tuning in. So we just heard from Washtenaw County Prosecutor Eli Savitt about some of the progressive changes that he's making in the way that that county goes about prosecuting crimes and criminals. Now we want to talk with another new county prosecutor who's doing similar things in Oakland County. Karen McDonald ran a campaign in 2020 that was focused on fundamentally changing the ways we think about criminal justice. Almost exactly a year ago, in fact, McDonald joined me on this show to talk about why she was challenging longtime Democratic prosecutor Jessica Cooper for the position. She emphasized the role that the prosecutor plays in making sure the criminal justice system is indeed just and equitable. Stephen. The most critical role in criminal justice reform is the prosecutor. Just to be clear, the prosecutor decides who to charge and what to charge them with. Mm -hmm. And that is the, the first and most important step in the criminal justice system. Now that McDonald has been in her new position for several months, it's worth asking, how well has she been able to implement some of these progressive ideas in a county that has long been synonymous with some outdated and sometimes draconian law enforcement tactics? Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald joins me now to talk about it. Karen, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. It's good to be back. In fact, I was just thinking about that interview a year ago and how how much things have changed in just a year. <laughs> right, right. So let's start with someone sometime else that you told me last July, something else that you told me last July when you were running for prosecutor uh, against Jessica Cooper, who had said during her campaign that Oakland County didn't have any racial disparities in its criminal justice system. Here's part of what you had to say about that a year ago. The convictions um, are much higher in communities of people of color than white communities. And that has to change. It can't change, though, unless we actually have a prosecutor who acknowledges that it exists. So at the time, Cooper wasn't releasing data about racial disparities in the criminal justice system. So tell us now what you've found since you started on the job in that regard. Well, with that regard, uh, starting on day one, we started collecting uh, data that is there. And now we've also partnered with the University of Michigan and the ACLU to review that data. Um, because, again, it's, it's not really enough to walk around and, and say that we have racial disparities in our criminal justice system. 
um, particularly when you're dealing with stakeholders in the community, um, law enforcement, prosecutors, judges, we we want to we want to be able to provide data, and and that's what we're doing. But with regard to addressing that, one of the first things I did is organized a a, a racial justice advisory committee, and and that is a, a council that I sit down with um, on a regular routine basis from different parts of the community and and listen first and foremost and then develop strategies about how are we going to address this because every community is different. Uh, Likewise, I sit down with a law enforcement advisory council um, and members of the defense bar because I think in order to do things better and make things fair, we have to listen to people who are are doing this work every day. And, you know, I'm often described as a progressive prosecutor um, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit. This is just common sense. I, I want what the people in my county want. I want, I want our county to be safe, and I want our, our criminal justice system to be fair. And just in the short time that I've been in office, many, many of the things that I've been able to accomplish are just common sense. For instance, we no longer have a drug unit. We have a trafficking unit where we focus on um, crimes that involve the trafficking of narcotics and human trafficking, uh, Michigan's eighth in the nation um, for human trafficking. We created a hate crimes unit so that we're addressing uh, crimes that are um, born out of a, um, a motivation because of how somebody, um, the color of their skin, the ethnicity, how they identify. We have trained prosecutors who um, are looking at those cases from the very beginning. And then what I've really focused on is taking this team of devoted public servants in my office, um, almost a hundred assistant prosecutors and said, I care what you think. And I want you to use your discretion about what is the best outcome here. And, and it's interesting. There's, there's a lot of really complicated, complicated things going on in our criminal justice system right now. We, we have an, a, a rise in violent crimes. And there's a lot of debate about why that is happening. Um, I think most people agree that one of the top factors is what's happened um, with the pandemic. But the data shows, and likewise, what I'm seeing every day is that we have crimes. Um, our crimes are for three reasons. Every, almost every serious crime that we um, touch, it's mental health, substance abuse, and an all-time high of guns on the street. Hmm. And so what I want to do, which I couldn't do as a judge, um, because as you know, I stepped down from my position as an Oakland County Circuit Court judge to run mm-hmm. for this office, right. is really lean in and figure out, well, how do, we, how do we solve that so that we can reduce crime, make people feel safer, not just on the street, but also know that when they walk in a courtroom and they've been charged with a crime or they have a loved one charged with a crime or they're a victim of the crime, that there they can expect uh, a just and fair result, regardless of what community they come from. Yeah, yeah. So just yesterday, Governor Whitmer appointed you as a commissioner on the state's brand new task force on juvenile justice. Talk about what your priorities are as part of that work, reforming our juvenile justice system. I am very excited and honored to be the only prosecutor on that task force in the state. Uh, I believe that if we 
really want to reduce crime um, and improve our, our, our community as a whole, we have to care about our most vulnerable people, and, and those are children. We know from uh, the research and the science that if a child spends even one day in foster care, they increase their likelihood almost by seven times for things like a mental health issue, incarceration, suicide, um, homelessness. And the prosecutor's office, uh, there's a whole part of the prosecutor's office that people, most people don't think about, right? Because it's not what you see on Law and & Order. And, and that's our juvenile division. Our juvenile division handles neglect and abuse petitions. So that's any child who has had um, a, a neglect or abuse situation, either they're removed from their home or they're not. And it's our job to prosecute those cases, which is a different thing than prosecuting somebody for a crime. The goal in that system is to reunify child and parent, if at all possible. And sometimes it's not possible because the things that have been done to that child um, are, are too egregious and we have to protect the child. That's our first goal. Um, and the second thing the juvenile division it does is, is prosecute juveniles. And we, we know so much more about uh, brain development now. And so what we've learned in this country, and by the way, most countries um, are, already know this. If you compare our juvenile system to other countries, it's, it's a, it's, there's a glaring disparity about how we treat juveniles. But the goal here is to make it so that we don't have that, that child who's, who's committed a crime then end up in our adult system. So it's really a passion of mine, uh, protecting kids. You know, I started out as a public school teacher years and years ago, hmm. and um, protecting kids um, is, is really been one of my central focuses in my, in my entire life. Hmm. Uh, I also want to talk about the new hate crimes unit that you started in Oakland County. Uh, talk about what was happening in the county before you created this unit in terms of hate crimes and how that unit is functioning so far. We have partnered with FAIR Michigan, and they are um, helping us address uh, crimes where we have victims um, that are in the LGBTQ community. We are training uh, a prosecutor, and hopefully two, um, to really get special expertise in how to handle those crimes, review them, um, in charging decisions. And then the next step is to uh, educate our law enforcement partners because a lot of the, um, these crimes are under the radar in terms of it's not recognized or um, highlighted that the, the motivation for the crime is really about somebody's race or ethnicity or how they identify. And you can't just approach it like a regular assault and battery because there's a lot going on there. And I, I think that... Most people agree uh, that we are at a moment in time where you, you really can't turn on the news without this being focused on in some way, some conflict, crime, um, episode of violence occurring because of somebody's race or ethnicity. And so I, I think it's I think it's critical to and, to the needs of our county. Have you had any pushback? I mean, some of the some of the things that you're talking about, some of the things that you're doing rub some folks the wrong way. Hate crimes are, for example, a controversial area of the law in some people's minds. I'm wondering if in the first year you've heard people say, hey, what are you doing? I, I, I don't approve of this kind of approach to the law. I am really delighted to tell you that I have not received 
any pushback because this is common sense criminal justice reform. This is not just what a, a small minority of our county wants. It, it doesn't matter what I found, what letter is after your name or what community you are from. Nobody wants a one-size-fits-all approach to somebody committing a crime. Hmm. All of us understand that a traffic offense is not the same as a violent crime. All of us understand that. All of us understand, regardless of how much money you make or where you live or what your life experiences are, that we are facing a mental health crisis and that substance abuse issues cannot be dealt with properly um, in a jail cell. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we don't incarcerate people. You know, I, I am a mother. I care about safety. We all do. But we have to do things smarter. So I, I, haven't, I haven't received pushback. I, um, I think there has been a little bit of uh, surprise and, and discomfort and shock that I'm, you know, bringing members of law enforcement, members of uh, our stakeholders, uh, leaders in Pontiac, just to inviting them in my office sitting down with them and saying, what do you think? Um, what is your suggestion? How can we do better? Uh, nobody's going to agree 100% of the time on, on how to solve all these problems. Mm-hmm. But I'm really proud to be the highest law enforcement official in Oakland County because the county is, is really open to doing things the right way. You know, I, I say I, I want things to be safe and fair and just. But I'm, I'm proud to say so do the people who voted voted for me um, and so do the people who live in my community. Yeah. So uh, would you include uh, Sheriff Bouchard, who is a Republican and a real law and order personality in uh, in Oakland County among those who have not uh, mounted any pushback to the things that you've done? What's that relationship been like? You know, Sheriff Bouchard has said for years, uh, way before I took office, that uh, we have a mental health crisis and all you need to do is walk through the Oakland County Jail um, to see that. Uh, we are, our countywide leaders are, uh, I, my experience is we all want the same thing and we're all willing to work together to achieve that. Um, law enforcement and the prosecutor's office typically have worked side by side to achieve the same goal in, in, in some cases. In other cases, we, we can't reach the same goal because their job is to investigate crime and our job is to prosecute crime. But one of my, um, my critical uh, requirements of an assistant prosecutor when talking about reducing a case or amending a case or even dismissing a case is to talk to the victim of a crime, to talk to law enforcement, because we don't, we believe that our job is to listen, and there's expertise there that we don't have. Yeah, I'm talking with Karen McDonald. She is uh, the prosecuting attorney in Oakland County, elected in 2020, on a platform that was about changing the approach of the prosecutor's office, making it a little more attentive to some of the implicit biases that exist in criminal justice in our society. Uh, as always, we want to hear from you during the conversation as well. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the changes that uh, Karen McDonald is making in Oakland? We talked earlier with Eli Savitt who is the prosecutor in Washtenaw County, about the things that he's doing, very similar to the things that Karen McDonald is doing. Uh, are you supportive of this approach? Uh, have you noticed a difference if you live in Oakland County? 
uh, already uh, based on the things that uh, Karen McDonald has done. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to include you in the show uh, that way. Let's go to Sean in Roseville. Sean, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Steve. Um, oh, Karen, uh, you're doing some very admirable work. Uh, it's very hard with the juvenile justice system. But I'm an owner of a of recovery houses in Macomb County, so I just wanted to briefly speak on what your first guest was saying in regards to the uh, wealth inequities. Mm-hmm. So his ideas still are only for the wealthy. For somebody to have a tether, they have to have access to a landline. They have to have access to the Internet. And then they have to pay to have that tether. Mm-hmm. Um, drug testing costs money. Drug testing costs transportation. These are issues that still are only going to help those that have the wealth that can pay for them. And then, you know, there's a dirty little secret I never hear get brought up, and that is when you do time in a county jail, when you are released – you get a bill for the time that you spend in county jail. So if you spend 30 days in, let's say, Macomb County, you're going to receive a bill for around $600 for those days that you spent in the county jail. Hmm. Uh, Sean, I'm really glad you called and and shared uh, these kind of details and experiences with us. I think it's great when we can hear from people who are engaged with the system and and what they're experiencing while they're doing that. Uh, Karen, I I, I would start with this idea of the wealth disparities that exist in our society and the ways in which uh, the prosecutor's office sometimes exploits those uh, wealth disparities, maybe exacerbates them in the way that it goes about doing its job. Cash bail is one of the things that we talked about with Eli Savitt. It's something that you have talked about uh, as well. But as Sean points out, there are lots of other ways in which uh, the system seems to punish people who are poor. Can you talk about your approach to that? Yes, and Sean's absolutely correct. Um, there's that. There's a whole um, underbelly of um, cost-associated penalties that people don't understand. Um, also, in the juvenile system, when you have a child housed at, at Children's Village because there's a, a problem, and of course that system is focused more on rehabilitation, right? Uh, parents are handed a bill when when the child is released. Um, and in almost all of those cases, there's no ability to pay. Um, now, typically the prosecutor's office hasn't gotten involved in that, but that we, we can get involved in that. My my first step, and look, this is a this is a hundred step journey, and I'm only on five, but is sitting down with my assistant prosecutors and saying, look, fines and costs and supervision fees, it is our job to care about that because the penalty uh, for this act has to be fair and just. And just because you don't ask for someone to be detained does not mean that you aren't digging a, a hole um, the, the size of, you know, Texas that somebody will never get out of. Now, I'm the first to say I can't solve that problem uh, on my own. Um, that takes partnership with our county leaders. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure you know this, Stephen, but Dave Coulter has made criminal justice reform a focus, mm-hmm. our county executive. Uh, we have really forward-thinking people in our community corrections 
uh, counsel about on um, cutting edge on how to supervise people so that you're not um, putting them in an economic hole that they'll never recover from. Um, and our our board of commissioners as well, our, our chairman, Dave Woodward, they're, everyone's committed to let's do things um, the right way because what we know from the data is that that, that will keep us safe. But I think Sean's point is a good one. And, and it also illustrates something that we, we really have to stop and think about. These are not uh, easy problems to solve. Mm-hmm. They're complicated. And they, they are not going to be solved um, by just electing a, a prosecutor or a sheriff or a county executive. They, they have to be solved through partnerships. And that's one of the reasons why um, I spend a lot of time talking to stakeholders in different communities both in the public sector and the private sector, there are, you know, Oakland County is, we have a lot of really um, successful business owners. We have resources that uh, most counties in the country do not have. And I don't just sit down with civic and community leaders. I also sit down with people in the private sector who care about their community. They care about mental health. They care about substance abuse. Um, and that is, you know, makes me feel uh, proud and, and hopeful, but I, I really do believe we're going to get there. Mm. It's just, it's complicated, and it takes people like Sean to, to speak up and say, look, you know, yes, this person committed a crime. Yes, this person has a substance abuse issue, and no, they weren't detained, but they can't afford their tether, mm. and they can't afford to drug test. Um, and, and then, you know, we always attach licenses to that. So we have people driving on suspended license because right. they can't pay their fees. Um, but again, I'm really hopeful. We have a, a, a governor that's committed to it, um, to changing things. There's already been a bipartisan effort to to reduce the um, effect of some of these particularly traffic offenses on our community. Um, and I, I think we're going to get there. Yeah. Uh, quickly, we've got about 30 seconds left, but you had said you wanted to eliminate cash bail. Tell us where you are uh, on that initiative. So there's, around, there's almost 30 district courts in Oakland County. Um, and so um, when I took office, uh, no assistant prosecutors were not attending arraignments um, in the district courts. We just simply didn't have enough people. Luckily, because of COVID, I mean, I hate saying luckily because not a lot of great things happened because of the pandemic. But we were able to see that you can remotely attend hearings and um, in a successful way. So we're working... Um, with a a pilot project with two or three judges um, so that we can get our prosecutors at arraignment and really make good, thorough decisions about um, how to eliminate wealth-based detainment. Um, Because as you know, it it shouldn't matter how much money you have in your pocket to determine whether or not you're a dangerous person. Okay. Karen McDonald, Oakland County Prosecutor, great to have you back here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us today. I want to thank our student producer, Molly Ryan, for her work building out today's conversation with Washtenaw County Prosecutor Eli Savin. Come back Monday when we're going to meet the city of Detroit's new planning and development director, Antoine Bryant. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.